welcome in. It's the 1st July edition of the Lions 24-7 podcast. And uh, as things have occurred these last, these last few weeks, if you missed an episode or you just blinked, the Penn State class grew again. Now 18 commitments in this group. Uh, four of them coming since we last recorded on Friday morning to, to illustrate exactly how much this thing has, tra- has changed in a short period of time. Um, June is in the books. It was an eventful one. We'll look back at it a little bit, but we've got uh, these new commitments to talk about. We've got Steve Wiltfong joining the show, director of recruiting here at 24-7 Sports. He's down in Frisco, Texas at Dallas Cowboys headquarters, along with uh, an army of 24-7 sports reporters uh, covering the opening finals, which now features uh, an additional Penn State commit. We'll get to all that in a moment. But Sean, uh, first and foremost, uh, we're recording uh, in separate states again, but happy we could pull this off and uh, get it up in time for the holiday. Yeah, you get beach duty this week. I'm back in State College, but this is uh, going to be our only episode of the week with the holiday coming up on Thursday and everything. So thanks for joining us on the Lions 24-7 podcast. Plenty to talk about. We thought we could get away from this during the dead period, but obviously that's not the case. Uh, wife and I went to Philly for the weekend for a nice little getaway from the kids. And of course, the first dinner that we had out, two commitments uh, sneak up on us. So you know, always fun following Penn State recruiting. As you mentioned, uh, Penn State now at 18 commitments. The final tally from June 10, 10 commitments, 4D commitments, so you ended up a net, uh, a net plus 6, so that's that's something. But we're going to work backwards here. We're going to start at Tuesday. Uh, Penn State got on the board uh, at receiver, with, or excuse me, got, got added to their class at wide receiver by getting on the board with Parker Washington out of uh, the Houston area. Uh, very productive wide receiver at the high school level. He's down at the opening finals. He's impressed some guys down there. A little bit of a different body style than we're used to. He's about 5'9", 5'10", 195, 197 pounds. And, you know, he can he can get in and out of his breaks. I think he's a possibly an inside-out guy, maybe lean toward more of the slot, but that depends on who else you've got on your roster. But productive guy um, is a really interesting offer list because he's down there in Texas. He did not have Texas, did not have Texas A&M. I think Houston was really the only notable in-state offer that he had but you know Wisconsin was after him Penn State was after him a bunch of schools after him it just didn't really add up for what we see on tape and what we've seen of him uh, at the opening yeah I mean I don't know how you you can find a you know a diamond in the rough at that level of, of high school talent in Texas but you know Penn State didn't have to go against some of the schools you would think they may have to go against to get a guy like this out of the Lone Star State and you mentioned productivity here are the stats showing 75 catches as a junior resulting in about 1,500 yards, 18 touchdowns. So uh, obviously the evidence is, is very clear on tape. Um, Steve Wolfong, I know we'll talk more about this guy later on here on the episode, uh, you know, the initial takeaway. And I've seen, you know, I think Brian Doan waited on this, maybe Allen as well. Um, the kid gets the ball in his hand and, and he turns into a ball carrier. You see a lot of receivers who basically catch the football, especially at this level, even the, the tall athletic ones, they catch the football and basically brace for contact and, and wait to go down. You know, Maybe they make a guy miss, but this guy, he charges forward. I think he turns into a ball carrier mentality when he gets the ball in his hands, You know, whether it's, uh, it's, it's which, which you really like could set up some things nicely out of the slot. Um, now that's one thing that right off the bat sticks out to me, and obviously it's another official visitor uh, making his commitment. He's he gets the ball in his hands and he goes as you mentioned. You, you, Steve put up a video from from the opening this week where he's getting yards after catch in seven on seven, which really isn't an easy thing to do considering it's two hand touch. So he's shifty. He can get the ball in his hand, or when he gets the ball in his hands, he can move. He can move that pile too if he needs to. He can run through defensive backs and. You know, he's just off a four-star status on the 24-7 sports composite, number 70 receiver nationally, very, very, very high three-star. We'll see what happens 
after the opening to see if he's kind of opened up, uh, you know, his his ranking. Yeah. So, by the way, Sean, I, th- I know people see number seventy. Here's how how deep and, and highly evaluated this wide receiver class in twenty twenty is. When you look at twenty four seven sports, Jaden Dotton is a four star. The Penn State commit. He's like number fifty four on that list. So there's a lot of love. Uh, on this receiver class. And that's something that we do as, as an industry. I think we, we it, it seems so easy to evaluate receivers. And, and to be honest with you, look at the numbers. The receiver's not a great spot to to pick out the pro, the top pros, you know, aside from Julio Jones and A.J. Green and those guys. Because, um, you know, in this mid, I'm, I'm thinking more of this mid four-star type thing. These kids are so athletic, so good, and, and usually so much better than their competition that they kind of show out. So you've got... You know, I'm going down the list here, and you're in the 60. You've, you've got 64 star receivers. That's kind of optimistic, I would say. So, um, <laughs> yeah. it, it, it's it's one of those things where you know I think the evaluation process has come a long way, but we're still trying to figure out what we what we like about receiver. Uh, you know, obviously you're going to like the four three kids, the shuttle kids. Keandre Lambert shuttled the other day uh, down at the opening three eight three, I think it was, or three eight six or something. Incredible. Yeah, it was incredible. <laughs> So yeah, I think you're you're seeing the the evolution of the the evaluation of the wide receiver, but it's so easy to pick out good wide receivers because they're you know just better than everybody out there in that field. And seven on seven, that's where they shine. Uh, you know, eleven on eleven, you're you're getting beat deep uh, all the time by these guys. So it's crazy to see how that's come along. And, and I think we're still a little bit behind, maybe overrating receivers because they're so dominant. Yeah, well, so we're about five weeks removed from the Fleming announcement, which obviously didn't go the Nittany Lions way. And you wondered at that point where receiver was going to end up. Uh, Parker Washington now, the third guy to to climb aboard. Obviously, we mentioned Jaden Dotton, evaluated as a four-star prospect. Uh, Norval Black, I think he's the number six wide receiver in in 24-7 sports. Junior college rankings committed on the spot during that mid-June camp. So that's a position that, that has grown quickly in this class. And you can say the same thing at defensive back because you look at, at what was it, June 13th, Joshua Moten, who, who is now a Texas A&M commit as of Tuesday, uh, you know, he, he backs off of his commitment and you've got no defensive backs. And here we are uh, talking about this July 3rd, Sean. There's now a third in this group with Joseph Johnson. Joseph Johnson came on board shortly after Parker Washington on Tuesday evening. It's uh, not I mean, it's not kind of out of the blue, but the, the way that things have gone in the last couple of weeks with Joseph Johnson, if you followed along after the Jair Brown commitment, his father was very outspoken about you know, not taking too many defensive backs. He wanted his son to be, you know, one of the, in a small class, I guess. So I, I take away what you will from that. But, you know, it seemed to come back around to Penn State. I think Joseph Johnson's always been high on Penn State. The the, the kid uh, has always been really high on Penn State. I think some others have, have sort of, uh, you know, gotten into his head with the, the NC State commit. And you saw that it didn't work out. He went right back to it or went right back to the recruiting process from that. So, whether or not this sticks, I mean, it's it, this is this is one that I think you can pencil into the class, and that's not I don't I'm not saying that to insult the kid, but the way that they've gone about this whole process, you could definitely see him popping up on visits later after, uh, later. But uh, Penn State comfortable enough where he stands right now to take his commitment. I, again, I think the kid's really really high on Penn State, and uh, you know I, I think it's one of those ones where it can stick, but you're gonna have to watch this one all the way till signing day. Yeah, judging by the message boards on the site, Sean, there are definitely some trust issues among Nittany Lions fans with uh, with commitments these days, and understandable. And and when it's a kid's second commitment and he still has another official visit window before you get to the signing period, uh, surely there will always be people holding their breath with this one. But what you do get for now 
with this commitment is a guy who I think is a four-star all the way after getting a chance to see him down at camp in Maryland. I know Brian Doan wrote pretty extensively after after that same uh, camp and, and you know everything we saw against a really strong group of wide receivers to show that the kid doesn't rely on any trait too much where you worry that he might expose himself in other ways. He's got that length, and, and we're going to keep pointing to that, pointing to that, but there are guys who don't balance the length uh, with with the speed and, and with the hips, and all of a sudden you're like, well, can this kid play maybe outside linebacker? Can we buff him up on the field? Can he be an in-the-box safety? You know, you, you start to have to start thinking of other ways to get the kid out of the cornerback position. I love what this kid brings to, to, brings to that spot. I think he can cover a variety of receivers. Um, you know, certainly going to be curious to see where his rankings go at 24-7. I, I know 24-7 is a bit higher than the composite evaluation right now. Uh, but to me, he's a different kind of athlete than, than what we've seen at cornerback for Penn State. Uh, I think maybe the length will remind some people of, of an Amani Arawarie. Uh, but he's just a different kind of athlete, and they've done a really nice job evaluating the cornerbacks, uh, bringing guys in, but I just think he's going to stand alongside them. And maybe I'm shortchanging Keaton Ellis, who, who is has length on his own, but this is one of the longer cornerbacks in the entire country. And as I said, uh, it's something we're going to keep focusing in on as a, as a strength, but it's not something that I think he's reliant upon to, to get the job done. Ellis is uh, tall. He's not that tall. I mean, Ellis is what, 5'11 and a half, maybe six foot. Yeah, he, uh, he's long. You know, he's he's he's, he's got, he, but he probably isn't as lanky as as the kid we we got to know a little bit. He's we're gonna see him out there. He'll probably look different next time. But yeah, Johnson is is what six in the six foot two range at this point. Six foot three. Um, he he still could be growing. So he just he, again, th- there's a lot of wide receivers you got to deal with, and and we've talked about the various kinds. You're gonna send a six foot five wide receiver. You think Joseph Johnson can handle that? Maybe put him on a tight end. You know, when you're when you're near the end zone. I just think there's a lot of ways to utilize him. We love length here, and that's uh, no question about that. But Johnson, I think, is a very very good player. Flips his hips very well. Can get down the field and run. He's got pretty pretty good speed for that size. Kind of reminds me of a Tyler Rudolph, and I know Rudolph's a safety now for Penn State, but Johnson's a little bit of a different athlete. He can, he, you know, he gets he's got a little bit more natural bend, and he, he can turn and run pretty pretty well. So. We'll see where he ends up in the long run. I still think he'll be a corner, especially when you look at Penn State's corner class. There's not not a ton of options out there. Josh Moten committed to Texas A&M over the, I guess, Tuesday. So I'm lost on my days here. But uh, so I think it's a it's a I don't think it's a projection thing. I think you added a really good player. I think Johnson's a better player than Moten. That's just I've never been ultimately very high on Moten, even when he was in the class. So. It's uh, I think it's a it's a net positive for Penn State. You're gonna have to watch this one all the way till signing day. But in terms of athletes, in terms of length, I mean, he's pretty much what you want. And you know, I think the Rudolph comparison is there. Uh, maybe the Amani comparison. I mean, it, you're you're not sure how these guys are gonna grow. And uh, we we'll list him at six two. He's probably just right around there. I don't think I think the six three might be a little bit optimistic, but still a very good pickup for where Penn State stands in in their cornerback recruiting right now. Yeah, and and I say that's the third and and. People may be saying, I'm trying to count up these defensive backs because Jennings was just last Thursday. We, we covered that in the last podcast. But, but Jennings' commitment, Enzo Jennings out of Michigan, the four-star ath- uh, athlete, in case you missed that one, uh, likely going to play safety, could play cornerback at the next level as well. And then earlier in June, uh, Jair Brown, 
out of Lackawanna College, a guy who uh, played football in high school level in Trenton, New Jersey. So those are your three defensive backs. And, and Sean, when you look at this group, uh, looking back at Jennings, uh, it, it reminds me that there were a couple other commitments that happened between Tuesday and Jennings' commitment. And, and while you were out to dinner with your lovely wife, um, fortunately, one of us was manning the station. Someone's always got to be uh, at their computer on this beat, it seems like. And uh, we got a couple stories up uh, on breaking news with uh, Brandon Taylor, Amin Vanover, both of them committing. Brandon Taylor, we knew there was a strong possibility there. Bill Green from 24-7 Sports was out in front on that one. The Amin Vanover one was like, wait, that, that one even took Franklin by surprise, it almost felt like, because we didn't get the second We Are Better tweet, and all of a sudden everyone's kind of scrambling around to, to figure out, whoa, okay, Amin Vanover's on board. Did anyone see it coming? Uh, Brian Doan put the, uh, the the crystal ball pick in for Penn State last week uh, when we were running our special, but even he did not expect a decision to come from Amin Vanover. This was a guy that really essentially was down to Georgia and Penn State. I don't think Georgia was ready to take him, but Penn State, uh, you know, it, it, it's it's interesting because now all of a sudden there's a lot of defensive linemen in this class, which was not the case a month ago. Vanover's a good player. I'm not sure where he projects. Probably a defensive tackle in the long term. He's about six three and a half, six four. Probably right around 260. So nature's going to uh, probably say he's a defensive tackle eventually. I think what's interesting here is Brandon Taylor. You know, we've talked about him being a defensive tackle. Now all of a sudden you've got a bunch of D, D tackles in the class, Brevard and uh, Mulba. So, I mean, you've got uh, probably four and, and Kaziah Izzard, who we eventually will see as a defensive tackle. So you probably have four defensive tackles in the class right now, which is probably too many. But still, at the same time, if you're going to over-recruit, you want to over-recruit the Lions. Brandon Taylor now all of a sudden is probably a defensive end for longer in his career. It's going to depend on how some other guys around him develop. But he's 6'3", he's 250, 245, 250. I mean, it's uh, it, it, if you're going to throw numbers at a position, it's got to be up front. So uh, have no problem with them taking the taking Van over. I think agreed. I agree with you that they kind of surprised everybody. But, you know, this is one thing that they've been tracking for a while. And, you know, they've got the space to do it. Well, you look at this group, this defensive line class they put together. There's five guys in there now. Fatorma Mulba, also among those June commitments. Only one of them, Cole Brevard, weighs over, is listed at least, over 280 pounds. He's about 305 on 24-7 sports. Everyone else is, you know, Koziah Izzard's 270, Mulba 270, Taylor 250. Um, we've talked about it. Maybe it's the, the recency bias, but yeah, a lot of these guys just say, oh, well, I think it'll take the Damian Barber, Judge Culpepper kind of route and and make that trend. Hakeem Beeman, we talked about it last class. And so they've got a lot of guys between the last class, this class, where, man, you, you, you know, Sean Spencer's imagination must be running wild because these are not necessarily the body types that you need to restrict to one spot on the football field so there's a lot of teams that that recruit 300 plus pound and their defensive tackles and then they they want the wiry defensive ends you know we've seen that with Jason OA but there's not a lot of guys who are you know uniquely defined to a, a position I think when you project them the college football across this group I think there's a lot of room uh, for Penn State to manipulate things you know physically see where guys are fundamentally and and how they respond their first year on campus you could see a lot of routes taken by this group I think no doubt and you've got Bryce Mostella announcing on Friday we fully expect it to be Penn State as well so you've got a defensive end that's in that wiry mold who's probably two or three years away from being a, a contributor so You've got a lot of options there if you're Sean Spencer. It's um, it, it's a pretty good group, to be honest with you. I mean, and I know it's not Brian Bressey, but it's a pretty good group 
a lot of potential there. Um, still really high on what MOBA can do. I've always been a big Brandon Taylor fan, even though you know I thought he would eventually move inside. So they've got some options there. They're going to play around with it. And again, I think they add, they add Mostella on Friday. So again, those are your final two commitments of June. Stunned that nothing happened on Saturday and Sunday. I was just waiting for it. Uh, but another commitment maybe sneaking in in June. But it was done at 10. They hit the double-digit mark. We talked about the 4D commitments that took place, uh, three of them during that four- or five-day span in the middle of June with Tutant and the, and the two players from Maryland. Uh, but, but you come out of this thing, Sean, and, and then the dead period starts. Uh, the commitments keep coming. Where are we right now? Is the, I know it's the 4th of July holiday. We got a couple pre-holiday commitments. But to me, it still seems like, especially from that last week of official visitors, which has already produced six players in this class, that may not be done trending in that direction quite yet here in the summer. Yeah, they seem to have knocked it out of the park with that last week of official visits in June. And I think that's the, that was the strategy to get those guys in late and then lock them down. Jaden Dotton, Kaziah Izzard, Enzo Jennings, uh, Brandon Taylor, Jonathan or jo- Joseph Johnson, and <laughs> Parker Washington. Sorry, it's, uh, even just having the list in front of me, it's a, <laughs> it's a lot to, to digest. But you still have guys like Josh Downs is out there. Uh, Mordecai McDaniel is out there. Cole Taylor posted some notes on the site yesterday morning. Cole Taylor could decide at any point. And Penn State, LSU, Colorado, still a couple of schools involved there. Um, and and Fidel Diggs still out there. And Frazier's, uh, who's committed to, to, to Florida, don't really see him flipping. But still a very productive uh, stretch of days for Penn State with that last weekend in June. Yeah, impressive work, and, and we're talking about a, a team that is obviously implementing new recruiters, just like they are implementing new coaches. Um, they've got Parker doing his thing at wide receiver. Obviously, the response has been positive to this point. And, and Lorig, Joe Lorig, at special teams coordinator, he's done a lot, uh, a lot of new nuances with their approach. You know, you look at Weston Carr; uh, that was a big, big part of him uh, was that pursuit. And, and so you, you wonder where the input is, and you've got, you know, obviously a lot of changes too. Uh, the the staffers that we don't necessarily hear about. So uh, putting together a strong finish to the official visit window. This is the second year of this thing. I think this is going to be the, um, a method that is proven at this point. A lot of teams are doing it. Is you know backload that last week of June because you know you're going to be the last campus those guys are, are going to be able to be on for uh, for a while. And when it comes to official visits, they're not going to get uh, a replacement experience until at least the season. So. Do what you can there, impress who you can, and you hope those summer commitment announcements go in your favor, and then you can hold on to these commitments, especially long distance, into December and through the season. I think that's when Penn State and a lot of teams will be tested, when guys want to you know, go on these official visits when the window opens again, and they'll have them to use. Uh, but to this point, for them to have 18 commitments and uh, a class considered by 24-7 sports to be a top 10 group at this stage, uh, I think that probably far exceeds the expectations that were maybe in place through two weeks uh, last month. And and to add to that group, Jordan Stout uh, committed on, I think, June 1st or June 2nd. I mean, that's a big, big pickup for Penn State and, and can pay immediate dividends right away. You don't really lump that in the 2020 class. But we, we were talking before Stout took his visit about Penn State having that specialist camp, finding somebody offering them and them turning around and committing on the spot. Well, they haven't pressed on a, on a guy from that camp. They really didn't find anybody that they thought was deemed worthy of a scholarship at that point. And that's, to me, that's a good sign because you're not, you're not just taking somebody just to take somebody. We'll see if that changes in July, if they have anybody come on campus and work out. But uh, we'll, we'll see where that stands. But getting Jordan Stout on campus, and he's, he, he is at Penn State, as he tweeted out the other day, um, getting him on campus to, to compete right away at the kickoff job, I think, goes a long way. And, and, and you can't mention June without mentioning Jordan Stout. 
And Lorig is fired up about that addition. I can tell you that much. They have big plans, and we've talked about it before. He, he could be your punter when, when Blake Gillikin moves on to the next level. Uh, now, aside from commitment, Sean, we, we did get uh, some updates from some key targets on Penn State's board. And, and the one that's really emerged at running back uh, out of Cocoa High School in, in Florida, Keziah Holmes, uh, he'll be cutting his list down in just a matter of days on July 9th. And then that sets the stage, he says, for a commitment on August 8th, or I'm sorry, August 9th. And right now, the crystal ball certainly looks good for Penn State. You and I are part of that process. Yes, uh, it's it's one of those ones where you kind of, he, he had a really good visit for Penn State uh, at Penn State in June. He's probably going to go back and see Florida State uh, before he makes his decision, which, you know, you, you never want a Florida kid going to Florida State the week before he decides. But still like where Penn State stands. I don't know that he's at the top of the Seminoles board. they got some other guys there, although Jalen Knighton from Florida seems to be trending toward Ohio State instead of Florida State. So some moving pieces in there. But Penn State, uh, you know, the guys that I talked to when they were down at the opening to talk to Keziah Holmes kind of lit up when he was talking about Penn State. I think this is a guy that Penn State's got a really good shot at. And it's one of those those Florida kids that that has really bought into what Jawan Sider has been selling. And it's it seems to be trending in that uh, direction. Don't really think we could say the same for Court Williams. I mean, I still think that's an Ohio State lean right now. Uh, the, the the safety slash linebacker from California, he cut his list down as well. Penn State's in it. A few other schools in it. Tennessee, uh, some schools out west in Ohio State. I, I think he ends up a Buckeye. Penn State made a good run at it, but I, I don't think he ends up here at the end. It's Ohio State, Oklahoma, Penn State, Tennessee, Texas A&M. It feels like Texas A&M and, and Penn State cross paths a lot lately. But, yeah, he's made five official visits uh, to these schools He's already been to Penn State twice uh, in 2019, coming long distance. I mean, obviously, if he's in Beaver Stadium at some point this this season, that's huge. But you know, unless he circle back, circles back and comes to Happy Valley, you're probably looking at something more like a Nittany Lions hat on the table situation. Uh, a, a nice table to be on with Court Williams and a nice place to, to be on it at St. John Bosco. But, uh, you know, we'll see. Meanwhile, you look at another uh, another offensive lineman. We've talked about the offensive line class and its fluctuations of late. Uh, a name that has been on that board for a long time out of the Washington, D.C. area, Anton Harrison. He's cut his list down to five as well, Sean. So a little more clarity coming from him. That group, along with Penn State, uh, you're looking at, uh, I got it in front of me here. Let me pull it up. It's Maryland, Michigan, Oklahoma, and again, Texas A&M. Those are the four programs uh, alongside Penn State in that top five for Harrison. Very interesting um, situation right here because I think we Josh Fryer is going to announce on July 4th, and I expect it to be Ohio State, um, so that he's off the board. Michael Carmody's off the board. Penn State lost uh, Aaron Parks and lost Grant Toutant. So uh, offensive line recruiting not nearly where it was a month or a month and a half ago. So Anton Harrison is a guy that they think they've kind of been hot and cold on. They've stayed in touch with him throughout the entire process, but he's a big guy. He, he got kind of big after his junior year. He's working on that and coming back down. Then they had him in camp a couple of weeks ago for the team camp and decided to go run routes as a tight end instead of work with the big man and work with uh, uh, Olaf Ashanu and Golden Achumbu who were there to work with Matt Limegrover. So that was an interesting decision on his part. So, But it's one of those situations where he's a big body. He can move. He's got potential. He, he came onto the, the scene very, very early in his high school career, and you thought, Maybe this guy can be one of the top offensive linemen in the country. Hasn't really progressed to that nature, and uh, he's still a good prospect. He's still a guy that can, you know, I think you would take right now, but still is is not a top, top top-of-the-board type guy. So 
What's interesting about this is he said that he's going to announce at the Under Armour All-American game in January. So that gives schools time to, on one side, uh, get him on campus, uh, check him out for official visits, see where he fits on the board. But on the other side, you're wondering how many of those schools are still going to have spots open by that point. So he's probably a guy that's going to end up signing in December and then announcing a couple of weeks later, like we've seen with some of those, uh, some of the Devon Ellis did it last year. Jason Alway did it uh, as well. So uh, just a very interesting situation because you're you're fighting off late risers. Penn State offered the kid from uh, from New Jersey last week, uh, Will Devin Willock, uh, going after some other guys in other areas, and then of course you got senior film coming out where you're watching some other guys. So I'm curious to see not only with Penn State but where Harrison fits on the board for some of these other schools because it could be one of those situations where his options are not nearly as what they think what he thinks they are today. That's the thing when you have so many of these high school sophomores ending up with 15 to 20 offers before they step on the field as a junior, um, you know, you got to make sure you finish strong in your high school career or suddenly those doors will begin to close, even though you were presented with a quote unquote offer that, you know, uh, it's not always committable by the end of the road. And, you know, not saying that's the case with Anton Harrison at any of his options, but I'm with you. Maybe this is kind of a prove it thing for him. Um, doing it on the camp circuit will help. I think the first month of game film as well will probably speak volumes about where he is physically and, 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 and from a, a performance standpoint on the football field. But uh, a name that we've talked about a lot because let's focus on, I mean, let's face it, tackle remains a priority for Penn State. That perimeter needs to be addressed. This is a guy who is evaluated as a tackle, um, listed as a tackle by 24-7 sports. I don't know uh, if Penn State's in love with him in that spot or if they could see it being a, a guy who can maybe slide inside. But at six foot five, 330 pounds, he's definitely not the, uh, the Rashid Walker, Nana Sedu mold where you bring the kid in and you build him up. There's going to be a transformation process, and he can start it early on his own. Uh, but, you know, he listed as a top 25 tackle, a four-star uh, in the 24-7 sports rankings, but uh, a guy that, you know, as you said, there's some questions about, but it's a position that Penn State's got to find a way uh, to handle uh, their business in the next five months before we get to signing day. Well, if you're big and you can move, you got a shot. And that's what we've seen on the offensive and defensive lines. It's so hard to find those guys that can do that. And, uh, you know, whether or not Harrison completely fits what they do, I mean, that's, that's up in the air. If you can get a guy that can move, you've seen him uh, work out, they've seen him play basketball, they've seen him be athletic. So, We'll see what happens, uh, you know, with Harrison because we've got six more months of this, uh, I guess, five more months of this uh, until he signs. So we're going to uh, take a small commercial break. We'll be right back with Steve Wilfong to talk about the opening and we'll catch you on the other side. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the name your price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
We now go to the phone line. Steve Wiltfong is in Texas covering the opening finals. Steve, there were four Penn State commits that uh, were attending the event in Frisco. That that grew to five last night with Parker Washington. And Parker Washington's a guy you've been watching, and you told me last night you've been impressed by. Yeah, Parker Washington, when you stand next to the latest Penn State commit, five foot nine, 190. 195 pounds. He's built like a running back, um, and, but he's been one of the one of the more reliable, better receivers out here. Quick, quick player, guy that can make things happen in the open field, a guy that accelerates at a high level, and, and a guy that I think is going to be tough to tackle in space. Had over 1,800 yards receiving and 18 touchdowns last year here in the Lone Star State. Um, some of that is definitely translating into this seven-on-seven uh, -seven setting. Yeah, he looks like kind of a natural seven-on-seven -seven guy. Uh, aside from that, Penn State got Jaden Dotton and Norval Black as receivers. You put in a crystal ball last night for Keandre Lambert, uh, four-star out of Virginia. This is a guy that you've gotten an eye on. He had exceptional testing numbers the other day at uh, at, at the opening. I mean, what have you think? What have you thought of Lambert so far? Well, when you talk about Keandre Lambert and our guy Charles Power says it all the time that Penn State's got the best strength and conditioning program in the country, and then you look at Keandre Lambert's testing numbers. You look at a guy like Parker Washington, and you just think of how athletic they, those guys already are, and then think about what they could turn into in Happy Valley. Penn State doesn't land Jillian Fleming, but still uh, has a chance to secure one of the best receiver classes in, in the country. Um, and, and Keandre Lambert, when I talked to him at Checkin, he was extremely high on Penn State, North Carolina. Uh, sources with knowledge of the recruitment believe that Penn State's in front. I asked Parker Washington where Keandre Lambert would go. Of course he said Penn State, but he, he said that those two have really connected down here, and he's been in, in his ear a lot already about joining him in Happy Valley. A couple of offensive line commits down there uh, in Texas and Golden, Israel and Chumba, and Ola Fashano. seems like Ola Fashano has been, uh, been a, a pleasant surprise this week. Yeah, Olu's been one of the better offensive tackles down here. Certainly he's got one of the best frames, and, and we always knew that he could move, um, and, and he's got some toughness to him. Uh, plays for uh, one of the best high school programs uh, in, in the DMV in, in Washington, D.C., Gonzaga. Uh, these are the guys that uh, are maybe the least polished offensive linemen in Penn State's class, but they have the most upside, and they've had some struggles down here but they've also flashed why they were so coveted. Uh, and, and, and so I think they're guys that Penn State should be excited about, especially when you go back to the, the, the strength and conditioning. I mean, Golden Achamba, he's trending the right way. He's a guy that was 380 pounds. That's dropped like 50 of those pounds uh, in, in the last year. So he's got his head on right. He, he's competing and, and working hard. And then Olu, he's just got that coveted frame to, to, and the ability to, to blossom into a true left tackle. A couple of defenders committed to the Nittany Lions down there, Enzo Jennings and Curtis Jacobs. I, of course, if, if you're listening to this podcast, you're very familiar that I'm very high on uh, Curtis Jacobs. How those guys looked and, and what are your thoughts on those uh, those two players? Well, I think that Curtis Jacobs is one of the unique outside linebackers in this class. Um, he was Alan True's alpha dog from the training camp session that we had on, uh, oh man, Sean, my days are running together, on uh, Monday. Um, which mirrors a uh, which mirrors a, the opening regional and, and, and Curtis, the guy that's a thousand yard receiver, that's as um, physically as imposing as any linebacker here. Um, he moves well in space. Um, it, it's smooth and easy for him. Obviously, he has the ball skills, and, and as he continues to learn to play the linebacker position, there, there's a lot of excitement there. And, and Enzo Jennings, 
is another fluid, long-limbed defensive back that could do a lot of things in the secondary for you. Moving to uncommitted guys, a couple of guys you've got in your eye on this week, Keziah Holmes, the speedster out of Florida, Penn State trending on the crystal ball for him, and Theo Johnson, uh, the tight end from Canada, who's kind of been uh, all over the place, visited Iowa, Michigan's been in there, Georgia's been in there, Penn State's been in probably the longest. Uh, what have you seen from those two guys? Well, Keziah Holmes is one of the most explosive guys here, and, and when he gets the ball, he can find that top end gear quickly. And He's a true all-purpose back that can be a difference maker. Um in the passing game as well. He, he's also um, got some thickness to him now. He, he's he's a guy that's not going to come in slight a build. He, he'll be able to take the pounding of the Big Ten right away. And, and Theo Johnson, this is an elite year uh, at tight end, and he is certainly in the conversation as one of the nation's best. People were talking about Darnell Washington and how physically imposing he was coming into this. Theo Johnson is just as big as Darnell, and I know Penn State's had Darnell on campus as well. Um, um, but uh, Theo, he he's actually leads the tournament in receptions right now, I believe, through one day. Um, a big, big reliable target that isn't just a straight line guy. He, he can he can create some separation, and he can make the tough catch. And he's going to be a load as he continues to blossom. All right, Steve, uh, that's probably about all we need from Texas. We appreciate your insight. You can follow him, of course, at swilfong247 on Twitter. And, of course, his crystal balls are our gold around here. So, uh, Steve, thanks for joining us. Appreciate you giving us the latest on the Nittany Lions, and, and we'll talk to you another time. Fitzy, thanks. See all y'all on the Lions Pride. We certainly will see Steve on the Lions Pride. That's the message board on Lions 24-7. He's always willing to stop by and share the latest, along with Brian Doan, Alan True, and the rest of the crew bringing you your Nittany Lion news. Thanks for everyone joining us this weekend. Uh, Just a quick request, if you can get onto Apple Podcasts, give us a rating, a review. It would be greatly appreciated. Have a safe and happy 4th of July and a great weekend, and we will see you on the other side.